0: Yes, indeed. Welcome back in L.A. Gridiron Weekly, 877-710-3776, 877-710-ESPN. My guy, Miles Simmons, joining the program. He's from PFT. He's one of the contributors there. Guy, we go back a nice little ways here, making a return visit to L.A. Gridiron Weekly. What's up, Miles? How are we doing today, my man?
1: I'm doing very well, Kirk. I am very glad to be making another appearance. Always good to talk to you. Always good to talk football.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Football is always on the mind. And I kind of want to start here, obviously, the L.A. flavor of L.A. Gridiron Weekly. It just seems that I think since we've talked the last time, it was sort of the infancy stages of the Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford relationship. And, you know, the mini camps and OTAs hadn't really occurred yet. And now everything's all finished. We know the offseason is officially over as we get ready for the actual training camp in regular season. But to hear Sean McVay talk so glowingly about Matthew Stafford and then had to go out and kind of tell people, hey, no, 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 nothing against Jared Goff. But look, Matthew Stafford's my guy now. Like, How surprised are you with how glowingly Sean McVay speaks of Matthew Stafford?
1: A good question. I mean, I don't know if I'm surprised per se, um, because I, you, you had to figure that they were going to go and do something like this for a reason, right? And right. I think some of the excitement, despite what Sean McVay says, does have to do with the fact that Jared Goff is no longer the quarterback. And I say that because look, Jared Goff had a lot of trouble not turning the ball over. So, right. you know, when he says, you know, what I, my excitement is, for Matthew Stafford doesn't have anything to do with Jared Goff. I mean, like that's not really true because you can't necessarily divorce the fact that Matthew Stafford is only there because Jared Goff didn't perform well enough for the Rams to, you know, continue to get deep into the playoffs and make it back to the Super Bowl and potentially even win a Super Bowl. I mean, you're talking about a guy that had 38 turnovers in the last two seasons. So, and when you look at Matthew Stafford, and I think everybody knows how good Matthew Stafford has been, it's just that there's been so much in Detroit that has not really gone right. So you put Matthew Stafford with arguably the best run game that he's ever played with, and we're talking about somebody in Acres who hasn't even really gone through a full season as a starter, and I still think you can maybe say that about him and the way the Rams offensive line is, this is a potential to be really, really, really good for what Matthew Stafford can do, paired with what Robert Woods and Cooper Cup can do. You know, you bring in somebody like Tutu Atwell, Deshaun Jackson, like this offense does have the potential to have a lot of juice. So from that reason, I don't necessarily think it's all that surprising that McVay is speaking so glowingly, but, you know, you don't really know it's going to work out as well as he thinks it is until they start playing in September.
0: You know, I've asked this question a couple of times, Miles, to different people. And now I'm presented the same question to you, is when, you, as you get to this season and this thing is finally kicked off uh, on September 12th against the Chicago Bears on Sunday Night Football, who's got the most pressure? Is it Sean McVay or is it Matthew Stafford? Oh, I, I think it's
1: Sean McVay because uh. basically you, you have to say, uh, you have to prove that you're right. You know what I mean? That it wasn't yeah. just you, that it really was Jared Goff turning the football over that has been holding back your offense from being one of the top units in the league like it was in 2017 and 2018. Uh, I I mean, Matthew Stafford, look, yeah, you, you want to see if he can perform better, but like you already... There, There's a perception of Matthew Stafford that could be, okay, uh, we think that he's good, but we don't necessarily know that he's great. And he doesn't necessarily have to be great, right? Because he's already been a good quarterback, a viable quarterback in, in the National Football League. But if you're Sean McVay and you want to come out there and win championships, then you got to prove that you were right. So I, I would say that there's probably more pressure on McVay for that reason.
0: Mm. He's Miles Simmons of Pro Football Talk, joining LA Gridiron Weekly here on 710 ESPN. You know, Miles, the one thing I can say that you've seen this uh, competition, remember the, the battle for LA when it comes to the Rams and Chargers, but when it comes to the Chargers in particular, they've got a quarterback, the Offensive Rookie of the Year in Justin Herbert. He is now on year number two. But for me, what is the situation right now for the Chargers that, gives people hope that gives people that 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 you know what this is the team that can compete for an AFC West title
1: well (laughs) I don't know that they can compete for an AFC West title yet and the only reason is because the Chiefs are so dang good man I mean like I I don't think the Chiefs are any worse in fact I think the Chiefs are probably better than they were last year right I mean you look at what they did to reshape their offensive line They've gone out and they've gotten John Reed for their defense as well. It's not like Kansas City is just saying, oh, well, we've got Patrick Mahomes, so we're gonna be good. Like, no, they they wanna make sure that they're building this thing around Patrick Mahomes so that he can still be really good. Now, having said that, I think that the Chargers could compete for NAFC wildcard spot, especially because there's three of them now. I mean, when you have somebody like Justin Herbert, that makes you feel a lot better about the way things could go for mm-hmm. the next like Ten years, if you're the Chargers, right? I mean, we all saw what he did last year. He was special, and he was so special that it makes you look at the Miami Dolphins and and say, like, man, what were you guys thinking, picking Chua Bailoa over this guy? When this guy goes out and he does what he did, I mean, you could maybe even make that argument about the Cincinnati Bengals. Although I think we all saw Joe Burrow do some decent things uh, last year for them as well before the injury. So, look, I, I think that the Chargers are set up well. For the long run you know when you have somebody like brandon staley and what he did with the los angeles rams defense last year turning that defense into uh, indisputably the top defense in the league uh, the talent may not quite be the same you know when you're talking about two guys that are probably the best in their positions in the nfl in jalen ramsey and aaron donald i don't necessarily know that you have that with uh the chargers um and you could point to somebody like during james you could point to a Joey Bosa and say, like, those guys are very good, but are they on the caliber of a Ramsey and a Donald? I don't quite know. But I, I still think that the Chargers set up well for the long run, you know? But for the short term, where Kansas City is still the dominant team in that division, I uh, I don't know about that.
0: So now, Miles, look, I-, I gave you the softball questions, okay? So the softball questions are now done with. We're done with the softball question. Here comes the hard-hitting questions now, Miles. Are you ready for them? Here we go. There seems to be a love-hate relationship when it comes to Derek Carr and the Raider Nation, the Raider fan base, or even Derek Carr in the media. And so I get a sense that last year Derek Carr sort of had a okay-it's-not-me situation when it comes to the quarterback spot for the Raiders. Yet it seems this offseason, he seems to be put up this shield like I deserve maybe a contract extension, I need more security – is that a lot of because he truly doesn't believe that the Raiders are still in love with him at the quarterback spot, or is it because of the lingering situation with Aaron Rodgers or possibly another quarterback out there that the Raiders can say, hey, we can bring this guy in and still run the same offense?
1: It's interesting because every year, every offseason in the last couple of years, it seems like the Raiders have flirted with the idea of upgrading from Derek Carr, right? right. And, you know, a couple of years ago, it was tom brady or and you know he may or may not have been the person that tom brady was talking about on uh the uninterrupted thing or the shop that they did on right. hbo <laughs> and so but then i mean even the year before that you know you have the questions of oh is john bruden going to try and trade up for kyler murray i mean this year you know is it aaron Rodgers? Is it russell wilson at these there's always going to be that 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 question for whatever reason so i I think if you're Derek Carr and the outwardly, he continues to say like, man, those things don't bother me. I know where I stand. I have a very good relationship with John Gruden, et cetera, et cetera. And all of those things could be true. But I think that any human would probably feel some kind of way if all you continue to do is improve and you go out there and you execute the offense like the head coach seems to want. And no matter what you do, it's still like, oh, well, Maybe we could upgrade. Maybe we could do a little bit better. I mean, like it's like if you're, it's like if you're dating somebody and you see that this uh, you know, the woman you're dating has just a bunch of pictures of shirtless models on her <laughs> phone and, and screenshots from like Instagram. You're like, like what? I thought I thought we were good here, you know? Like, what else am I supposed to do? So I just, I don't know that Derek Carr is going to get a contract extension at this point. And if I'm the Raiders, I don't know that I would do it. Maybe next year, if the Raiders are able to make it to the postseason, especially if they win a postseason game, then you can continue to say, like, look, we're on the right path. We figure we're on the right path. Yes, Derek Carr should be our quarterback going forward. But if they go under 500 again this year, they don't make the playoffs. There's going to have to be some sort of change. And whether it's just Mike Mayock that would probably be the fall guy there, whether it's Derek Carr. Deciding, you know, similar to Matthew Stafford, like man, we've been here for so long. This isn't necessarily working. I don't want to go through another rebuild. Or it could be John Gruden saying, "We've been doing this for enough time. We need to make some sort of change." Our quarterback has not shown that he can take us to the postseason, etc. And and the weird, the sort of weird thing about that is Derek Carr played well enough for the Raiders to go to the playoffs last year, right? Right. It, the, the defense was clearly the problem. So if Gus Bradley can fix that, if they can just be an average defense then the Raiders are probably going to make the postseason this year. But there's still a lot of questions. I mean, you have to be able to say, can Henry Ruggs step up, right? Can he look like a a first-round wide receiver? Brian Edwards step up and also look like a viable wide receiver in this league. Because Sneed, John Brown, those Mm -hmm. guys are decent veterans, but I don't think that they're going to be able to match or exceed the production probably that you got out of Nelson Idle last year. Fortunately, they do have Darren Waller. They do have Josh Jacobs. Those guys are the foundational pieces of your offense. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens probably after this year with Derek Carr. Because I think, like I said, if the Raiders make it to the playoffs, whatever, question solved, it's going to be fine. But if they don't, then it probably is going to be an interesting offseason there in Las Vegas.
0: Mm, he's Miles Simmons of Pro Football Talk. joining the LA Gridiron Weekly. Just a couple more minutes here with Miles. Also, you can follow him. A great follow on Twitter, by the way, at MilesASimmons on Twitter.com. Here we are, Saturday, July 10th. We still have no resolution, Miles, when it comes to the Aaron Rodgers situation with the Green Bay Packers. This is a story that's still, it's, it's out there. And I think we're waiting for that report date for the Packers in terms of how will this situation finally be resolute. So, Miles Simmons, I'm asking you today, how do you see this Aaron Rodgers-Green Bay Packers situation playing out?
1: I think that he will play the 2021 season for the Packers. And beyond that, he's probably out of there. And I yeah. think it, it it's interesting because I think Rodgers has set himself up to go to training camp and basically say, listen, my problem has never been with my teammates. My problem's never been with my coaches. You know, my problems are elsewhere in the organization. If he even wants to say it that way, because that's kind of what he said when he was on Kenny Maine back, I guess that was in late May, right? right? He did that interview on sports center. So he's basically set himself up to play this season for the Packers and play at a high level. And, you know, maybe they go, 13-4, 13 and 4 or 14 and three this year, still getting used to that extra game. <laughs> yeah. And they still make it back to the to the NFC championship game. I mean, look, this is a team that has been very, very good over the last couple of years. And I think because Aaron Rodgers was so good, maybe Matt LaFleur has not gotten the credit that he's deserved for putting this team in position to succeed over his first two years um, as head coach of the Packers. So I just feel like Aaron Rodgers is coming off of an MVP season he should still want to play at a high level unless like he just doesn't really want to play that much anymore and he feels like he's proven everything he has to prove but like this is a guy that to me is always seemed hyper competitive and when you are that competitive and you know that you have a chance to be really good as in that conference i don't see why he wouldn't try to run it back one more time and then beyond that it's probably kick rocks to the green bay packers and they i think would understand and realize, like, yeah, it's time to move on from this, and we got to go to Jordan Bob. So, I, I like I said, I, I think it's one more year for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers because he's going to be able to come in and say, like, my problem's not with my teammates, my problem's not with my coaches. And then beyond that, we're going to see. But it's certainly going to be an interesting year for those Green Bay Packers because, man, I mean, like, they, it's not easy, um, I think, for everybody, whether it's coaches or other players, when the star quarterback, the reigning MVP of the league, clearly has issues—deep issues—with the organization.
0: Hey, last one before I let you go, Miles. Um, the Dallas Cowboys will be uh, featured on this edition of Hard Knocks, the 2021 edition of Hard Knocks. Uh, just any thoughts on that? Nationally, uh, is this something that the Cowboys actually really need to kind of get that star, that the, the the lore of the star back? Because I feel like they've lost a little shine on that cowboy star on the side of the helmet in every... recent.
1: They have. I mean, they haven't necessarily been great for years, but I mean, this is, they were so pretty good, you know, a couple of years ago, they, they won a playoff game right. in 2018 for losing to the Rams on uh, the divisional round. So it's interesting because the Cowboys are just always relevant. I mean, from the standpoint of television ratings, from the standpoint of you know, what gets clicked on PFT, right? Like these guys are always a relevant team. So I think especially after sort of the weirdness of last year's hard knocks, which is by no fault of either the teams that were featured, which were the Rams and the Chargers or HBO or NFL films, like it was just COVID, right? right. You know? And mm-hmm. you're watching guys get uh, Q-tips stuck up their nose. <laughs> like that's not really scintillating television. I right. think this year Cowboys are going to come back to Oxnard. They're going to have some joint practices with the Rams. Like You have Jerry Jones. That's obviously going to be a feature piece because – if nothing else, Jerry Jones likes seeing himself on television. Dak Prescott coming off the injury. Zeke Elliott, how's he going to do this season? There's a lot of really good quality storylines, I think. And it should make for really good hard knocks.
0: <laughs> I know. I can't wait. You already know I'm a football junkie such as you. So I cannot wait. Hey, Miles, I know you got a, I know you got a busy schedule, at least a little bit of a downtime before the season starts, man. But uh, we will catch up when the season starts. Enjoy the rest of this downtime. And I uh, will catch up soon. Appreciate it. Absolutely, Kirk. All right, that was Miles Simmons of Pro Football Talk. You can catch him all throughout Pro Football Talk's coverage of the National Football League. Also, a great follow on Twitter, at Miles A. Simmons. More L.A. Gridiron Weekly coming up next. Back here on L.A. Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. Hope everybody, everybody out there enjoying this Saturday and staying cool in this heat, man. Drink some water. I got my water right here in front of me. I'm staying hydrated. It's hot outside, so hopefully everybody's staying cool and hydrated, buckling up. If you're out there listening on the rolls, make sure you keep that seatbelt on and uh, make sure abide by the rules. Do the right thing. So 877-17ESPN is the phone number, 877 We've been talking about how to build a team, and in particular, the Rams and 49ers, how they built their team, 49ers through the draft, free agency. And the Rams have done it through – obviously big trades. I want to go to Twitter real quick. Cause I did have uh one of my guys uh, hit me up on Twitter and says, uh, at DB seven, nine, eight, seven says her. Hey, you left out the 49ers key player that was not acquired via the draft or free agency. That is one Jimmy Garoppolo. If he doesn't play well, nothing else matters. And he was traded for by them. So there's my guy at DB7987 on Twitter. Appreciate the message. I told you I'll read your messages from Twitter. i read it from Instagram. Make sure you reach me at Kirk Morrison if you can't call into the show. This show is interactive to where, hey, I'll read your message. And definitely, if you see something I miss, let me know. And, yes, Jimmy Garoppolo was traded for a second-round pick. I do remember that. And I also look at the way that the second-round pick hasn't worked for them. I would say somewhat what 49er fans say. Jimmy Garoppolo, has he been uh, the you know what they've been looking for? I would say you may have some who are split. I think some people are say his injury history uh scares them a little bit. The one year in which that he was healthy, the 49ers went to the Super Bowl. But yet his head coach took the ball out of his hands in the conference championship game and then also in the Super Bowl, right before the halftime. And yeah, a lot of people are talking about, you know, uh, the the Chiefs shouldn't have won that game, and the 49ers were up. How would you feel about Jimmy Garoppolo had he won, uh, or had the 49ers won that Super Bowl, and he made a couple of plays down the stretch? Probably be thinking something totally different. But again, the 49ers sticking to their formula, they drafted Trey Lance quarterback this year, so they are kind of sticking to their guns. They've traded, I mean, they they they've they've, they've drafted a quarterback for their future. Jimmy Garofalo probably won't be a 49er after this season. And so did the trade work for the 49ers? That's how I'm going to switch this around. Did the trade work for the 49ers? They went against kind of how they built their team. And it's not not necessarily worked out for them, right? Because they had to go draft another quarterback. But one quarterback in particular out there, everybody, I I don't know if he can be traded now. I don't know how his situation will end. I just talked about it there with Miles Simmons again. Thanks to Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk, who joined us in a previous segment. But we are still about, let's see, two and a half, three weeks away from training camp starting. I can't wait, and I'll talk about that in my two-minute drill. Got some news upcoming about training camps, especially involving the Rams coming up. But one quarterback out there, we still don't know what will he do. It's the drama of every week, and so I feel like there has to be a weekly update when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. And so Aaron Rodgers this week—I don't know if, how many people watched the match this week. I know I did, and I thought it was an amazing, uh, you know, time of watching golf where Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers teamed up to play against Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady in the match and Aaron Rodgers and Deshambe beat the old guys but it was a great time of watching everybody you know do you know play golf the different clubs they would use how they would hit the certain shots it was fun to watch but everyone who kind of watched it was waiting for Aaron Rodgers to say something about his future in green bay and he didn't really have much to say when it came about his playing future but one thing that he did talk about was that he's been getting his mental health in order. Here's Aaron Rodgers from his press conference for the match this past week.
2: The loudest person in the room is not the smartest person. Sometimes the loudest person in the room is not the person who has all the facts on their side or the truth on their side. This off season, I spent a lot of time working on myself. I think think, uh, for a long time, mental health has been only an okay topic to broach if you're talking about dealing with bouts of depression, but there's not a lot of conversation around just the idea of having uh, a very positive mental state, mental health state. I've just been really trying to, to think about what puts me in the best frame of mind, what habits can I form that allow me to feel most in my body, most present, happiest, and that's what I've been doing. The mental side of it is so important for all of us athletes. I don't think it's talked about enough. But taking time to work on yourself is, I think, the best gift that any any of us uh, can give ourselves.
0: That was Aaron Rodgers this week during his press conference right before the match uh, this week. And I think he's clearly talking about, look, I want to do things that make me happy. There are situations that make me happy. I don't know if being a quarterback of the Green Bay Packers – Right now, currently, uh, what, where does that put him at? What What are the stressors that puts him at ease or unease being a quarterback of the Green Bay Packers or his working environment? There's a lot that has to be figured out. I know one former Packer, Amon Green, he didn't play with Aaron Rodgers, but from, I guess, his time around Aaron Rodgers, he understands that Aaron Rodgers is going to live his life. Here's Amon Green this week on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin.
2: Right now, he's going to continue to do what he did be the smartest guy in the room. So that's why. <laughs> that's what he said is in code and he's not going to really say um, until the action happens, basically. So he's going to uh, sit back and kind of enjoy his, uh, his bourbon or his whiskey <laughs> that he drinks and let us speculate like we're doing right now. And for him... He's gonna enjoy it like he won a game of golf last night or yesterday. So uh, he's gonna to continue to do that until the time comes, and we'll see it here in a few weeks where he's gonna be, or if it's not at camp, just continue to keep this uh, as this this holdout thing going as, as we're looking at it right now.
0: Mm. That was a Green, former Packer, running back. That was on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Because everybody's just trying to figure out this beautiful mystery. And no one knows. And Jeremy Fowler, ESPN senior NFL reporter, same thing. There is no answer. Even the reporter, such as Jeremy Fowler, still trying to figure out. Here's Jeremy. You know, asking
2: around the league, there's a sense and a belief that, that, you know, Green Bay, though still hopeful, is probably a little bit torn. They weren't necessarily expecting answers from Rodgers, uh, but some people there still believe, hey, look, this guy uh, is dug in and he might not show up. Now, some are still hopeful that he will show up for training camp. There, there's no clear-cut answer, no matter who you ask around the league. The only thing that's clear-cut right now is they don't plan on trading him, uh, at least this summer. Whew.
0: No plans on trading him. Well, I tell you, there'll be some takers out there if Aaron Rodgers was available. We just don't know. Now, one of my guys who are one of the trusted guys that I uh, follow in this league, and he followed me when I played, and I follow his reporting now, Sal Palantonio, ESPN NFL reporter. He was on Barton Hahn on Thursday. He kind of gave his take on the Aaron Rodgers saga and that maybe Aaron Rodgers has no leverage. Here's Sal Palantonio.
3: I think that... Uh... Aaron Rodgers has run out of leverage. The Packers didn't blink. The front office didn't blink. The ownership group did not blink. And if he wants to play football, it looks like he's going to have to play football in Green Bay.
0: Well, we are going to see what's happening. The days are getting short. The weeks are even shorter, everybody. We are going to have a resolution to this. We will find out what will Aaron Rodgers do. I know I can't wait. Cause that's the storyline that we've been trying to figure out. It's another storyline. That's uh, uh, also what's happening with Deshaun Watson. And I'll get to that in that two minute drill uh, toward, the, toward the end of the program, because I'm just trying to figure out these are like the two little, I would say loose ends of the NFL. Everybody's getting ready for training camp. All teams are getting ready from training camp. I have an update on that in terms of everybody getting ready to bring in all the guys who will compete for a job to make the 53-man roster on the NFL rosters this year. But will Aaron Rodgers be competing to win the job in Green Bay, or is he done? We will find out soon on that one. And then also, too, got to give him some little Deshaun Watson talk. We'd probably do that in a couple segments. Just he's been very mum. We haven't heard much about Deshaun Watson. Well, come training camp – Will he be with the Texans? Will he not? There's a lot to get to. So a lot to get to here. I want to know what your thoughts are. eight seven 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 ten espn 877-710-3776. What do you think about Aaron Rodgers? What do you think? Will he be a Packer? Will he be traded? Or looking at his mental health talk, does he even walk away from football this year? Let me know your thoughts again here on LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. What will happen with Aaron Rodgers? Tell me. I want to know 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Reach me on Twitter at Kirk Morrison, also on Instagram at Kirk Morrison. We've been talking a little Matthew Stafford and how the 49ers were in on Matthew Stafford. Can you believe that? Kyle Shanahan. (laughs) Head coach talked about it on the Flying Coach podcast with Sean McVay earlier this week talking about, yes, we were in on the Matthew Stafford take. I mean, on Matthew Stafford quarterback sweepstakes. And yet Sean McVay and the Rams swooped in and took Matthew Stafford off the books. Uh, We've also been talking a little bit, like I said, Aaron Rodgers. We've been talking about how would you build a team as well? 49ers and Rams, just so many parallels between the two head coaches, four years into um, their reign as, co- as, as head coaches for their respective teams. Each guy has a Super Bowl appearance, Shanahan, McVay. But the Rams have three of four playoff appearances in the four years. The 49ers only one, with three losing seasons. And Sean McVay, we've mentioned, never a losing season in the National Football League as a head coach. But I'm trying to figure out what happens with Aaron Rodgers. What does this do? Because, look, there's two sides of it here. Aaron Rodgers comes back. Well, the Rams have competition in the AFC. I mean, sorry, in the NFC. That's going to be competition always. The team that was in the NFC Championship game last week, we already know about Tampa, but Aaron Rodgers on the Green Bay Packers, yes, they are a perennial contender, no matter what, as long as he's on the squad. What if Aaron Rodgers is traded? A lot of people are pointing to Denver being the place that if Aaron Rodgers trade he's going to go to Denver, similar to what Peyton Manning did, you know, come back, resurrect the franchise and win a Super Bowl. I said, "Well, put it like this. It goes from being the Aaron Rodgers goes from being the pain in the side of the Rams, possibly to now being a thorn in the side of the Chargers. If he does go to Denver, right? That means the Chargers have to see him twice a year. (laughs) Justin Herbert versus Aaron Rodgers, the possibilities. Oh my God, that'd be great. How many television execs would love to see that game, which kind of got me thinking here too. And I kind of want to shift gears just a little bit because we've talked a lot about the veteran quarterback. We've talked a lot about the quarterbacks who have already been established in the National Football League. But there's two quarterbacks and in particular I've been keeping my eye on. Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Two second-year quarterbacks, no longer rookies. You know, Joe Burrow last year was two seven and one. He played in ten games before injuring his ACL, and he was out for the rest of the year who many thought was the NFL's offensive rookie of the year up until he got hurt. And then everyone looked at Justin Herbert and how he kept getting better and better. And in his rookie year, he went six and nine, started 15 games threw for 31 touchdowns and 10 interceptions and definitely was lighting the league up. And everyone just kind of knew everyone said this looks a little bit different. And so Mike Tenenbaum, he's an ESPN front office insider, so Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zub, he had some interesting comments. Interesting comments about what he thinks the Bengals will think in years to come after the dust settles between these two quarterbacks.
4: Joe Burrow had incredible production. His production would have been good, probably even better. But when we measure competitiveness in the NFL and sort of that pre-draft cycle, He went down to Mobile. He was the best player there. He was the MVP of the Senior Bowl. He went to the Combine. He was the only one of the premier quarterbacks to work out there. And then he had another workout where he also was exceptional. So he checked every box. So to me, when you look at it objectively or subjectively, Justin Herbert was the best player. And I think sometimes we have a little bit of an East Coast bias, meaning that a lot of the evaluations are... When you watch college football, that's where the media story gets involved. And when you are a great player on the West Coast, you just don't get the coverage that other players get when you're in the SEC or the Big Ten. And he, to me, is going to be the next great superstar in the NFL. I think he's a tick below Patrick Mahomes. But beyond that, I think Justin Herbert has superstar written all over him.
0: Pump your brakes. Pump your brakes. Mike Tannenbaum, former general manager, ESPN NFL front office insider. Pump your brakes, Mike Tannenbaum. And, look, I love Tannenbaum's assessment a lot of times. But, man, you talk about putting some – that's some gas right there. Putting him, Justin Herbert, a notch below Patrick Mahomes. It's only been year one. Let's evaluate Justin Herbert in year two before we start to put him on this pedestal, on this platform of quarterbacks that I don't know that he can even get to. Right. Let's see it for two or three years. That's one thing I learned talking to always my veteran guys. I was a guy that when I was in the NFL, I always lean on my veteran players. Veteran players would always help me out. if I had a question. How do I do this? What do I do here? Think about this. Because veteran players will put things in perspective for you. I would say, oh, man, that, the kid over there, you know, the guy over on that, on that squad, man, he's been doing good. He says, yeah, when he does it for three, four years in a row, then talk to me. Anybody can do it for a year. Anybody can do it for two years. What makes you last in the NFL, what makes you last in sports is the guys who do it year after year after year after year after year. That's why they play for so long. Think about how many players that you've seen have had great years. Great two years, and then they just fall off. You don't see them anymore. You forget about him because they're not around anymore. It's tough. But I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen a lot more than you possibly would think. But in this case, for Mike Tannenbaum to say that Justin Herbert is a step behind Patrick Mahomes, like just easy first. Let's see what he does in year two. Let's see what Justin Herbert's able to get out what some may call a sophomore slump. Will he have that? He's got a new offensive coordinator in Joe Lombardi. He's learning a new offense. So everything that he learned as a rookie, he'll, you know, game situationally, he'll remember those things. As far as terminology goes, totally different. He's got to learn a whole new terminology of what this new offense is going to look like under Joe Lombardi. And so for me, when when Mike Tannenbaum says, oh, well, the West Coast or the East Coast bias, I get that. As my employer, ESPN, I get it. The East Coast football, SEC, ACC, it's on a lot earlier in the mornings when people watch. And so I think also, too, because the Pac-12 has not been a great representative in the college football playoff. Like we have not had a team from the West Coast. Pac-12 win a college football playoff or a national title in this format. And so a lot of people look at the competition of the Pac-12 as being down considered, of, I mean, when you compare it to that of the SEC or the ACC, I mean, I can't help it. I, I've done a Joe Burrow game before. I've been down to Baton Rouge and spoke with Joe Burrow, especially the year before. I mean, the year he won the Heisman. I did his first game that year, and I looked at him, and i like, there was something different about him then. He's got a confidence. He's got this swagger to him. And he knows he's really, really, really good. And he just plays for a team in the Bengals that are searching. They're trying to find their way. And for people to think that Joe Burrow is not on the level of Justin Herbert I would say no just turn on the tape from his senior year him at LSU going against Alabama and the auburns <laughs> the south carolina's of the world right if you don't believe that watch the year prior when he goes up against UCF one of the you know the good power uh, non-power 5 schools a group of 5 schools I should say in the fiesta bowl as he takes a hit and delivers a touchdown strike I saw the same thing that every NFL evaluator saw. There's a reason why Justin, I mean by Joe Burrow was elevated to the number one overall pick. It's a reason why he won the Heisman. It wasn't just because he was, you know, the best player. He was the best player on the best team and had the best performances and did things that you said, wow, that's an NFL quarterback. Justin Herbert, he had his moments. But I think when it comes to the competition or the players that are in the Pac-12, I think people discredit a lot of that because you don't get the first round, a ton of first round picks like you get out of the SEC or in other conferences. That may have been the knock on Justin Herbert. But for someone to say that the Bengals will regret not drafting Justin Herbert, I don't think so. Even if it didn't work out, I think they drafted Joe Burrow from what everybody else saw. He was the best quarterback for the job. He seemed to be the quarterback that everyone knew was going to be the first overall, but he was also a kid from Ohio. He was also a kid that grew up going to Bengals games. Like, let's be real. If you put the both guys up, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and you looked at Justin Herbert, he doesn't look like a quarterback that plays in Cincinnati. He actually looks like a West Coast guy. He fits the Chargers. He fits the look of what the Chargers are as an organization and as a football team. There's no regrets for the Cincinnati Bengals. And now Joe Burrow in year two can light the league up and put the Bengals into a better situation. And as far as Justin Herbert, he's got some pressure because he's got to do what he did last year. 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. 55 carries, 234 yards, and the five rushing touchdowns. Can he be better? Or can his team be better? That's the evaluation. That's the evaluation. What do you think? 877-710-ESPN, 877 Joe Burrow versus Justin Herbert. What do you think? How are these two young studs, the second-year quarterbacks in the NFL, how are they going to do? in this 2021 season. More of your phone phone calls, your thoughts, as we wrap up this edition of L.A. Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. Back here on L.A. Gridiron Weekly, 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. I'm going to go straight to the phone line in our last segment here. Let's go to Steven. Steven in L.A. What's going on? You're on L.A. Gridiron Weekly. Hey, Captain Kirk, beam me up. Ah, you got it, man. How you doing, Steven?
3: Hey, I'm doing good. I've called before, Kirk. I'm the guy who you know, I think the SEC, you know what it means you know when they say it it means more? You know their little logo that they're saying, you know, about the SEC because it means more. Yeah. I hear you. I know. No, we cheat at the end because <laughs> we cheat. So I was remember I told you I was the com- the commissioner, they need to hire like Alvarez. Yes. Or a uh, Oliver Luck, and then force the SEC to play uh, no more Division Two games. The ninth week of the season, when uh, Texas is playing uh, Oklahoma State and SEC is playing Washington, then uh, have them come over west of the Mississippi, and if they want to play in these nice lucrative bowl games, now. But enough of the SEC. I want to talk about Chip Kelly and the Bruins, baby. They're going to make the turn, and they play LSU September fourth. Kirk, yeah. that's a big game, it's a huge man. If they can, if they, huge. yeah, if they can, because Herm is in trouble. So you got uh, SC, UCLA, and Utah in the South, and you got basically Oregon and Washington in the North. So I'm looking forward to Pac-12 football, and just like hoops, Kirk. Now that we got Mick in there, UCLA will carry the banner. You know what? During the se- uh, basketball season, Kirk, you know they had 19th teams in the Big Ten make it, and after the first week. You know what? The name of the Big Ten, they called it the Big Dump.
0: <laughs> Man, I appreciate the phone call, Stephen. Yeah, the Pac-12, definitely UCLA um, sports. Shout out to Martin Jarman, the athletic director, and their new deal has started July 1st. Uh, UCLA now sponsored by Jumpman, the Jordan brand logo. So no more Under Armour. And uh, my wife, who's a UCLA grad, um, the the merchandise flying off the shelves over at UCLA. So get your Jordan brand Nike now uh, all the merchandise over at UCLA. Uh, new Pac-12 commissioner, by the way, is George Kliakoff. He is now uh, the new commissioner, no more Larry Scott. So hopefully that works out for the Pac-12 in their quest to make sure that they're on the same level as the other Power 5 schools. Let's go to Steve. Steve is in L.A. What's going on, Steve? Welcome to L.A. Gridiron Weekly. What's going on, Morrison? Um,
5: Pretty much what I just wanted to say was, you know, the Pac-12 beats up each other. You know, every week is a strong possible, you know, strong game. You know, unlike the SEC, where you know Alabama is going to dominate, you know where LSU is going to dominate. In the Pac-12,
0: you know, it's hard to have somebody represent when they're beating each other up and putting each other out every week. No, I I agree. I agree with the phone call. Appreciate it, Steve. I also think that that's where the expansion of the playoff has to come in for reasons like this, because I do agree with you, Steve, that There are some good football teams around the country, but just because they don't go undefeated in their conference doesn't mean like, oh, they can't compete with the other teams around the country, the SEC, ACC, the Big 12, Big 10. I'm saying that the, I think the Pac-12 competes, but they do beat each other up a little bit. Giving them an automatic qualifier, I think would help out. I think expansion of the playoff, would definitely help out. I know some people are like, oh, we don't need more than four. Well, I said, well, you got to at least give some automatic qualifiers in because of the reason, uh, like Steve N. said, when it, came to, when it comes to basketball, you get these automatic qualifiers that, that win the conference and then go in. You never know what could happen. Just give them the opportunity. Let's go to Christian. Christian in L.A. You're on L.A. Gridiron Weekly. What's up, Christian?
5: Yo, what's up, Kirk? How are you, man? I'm doing good. About yourself, man, what's going on? doing great, man. I I hear you asking questions. I hear the whole sports radio world asking questions about Aaron Rodgers. First of all, you guys want to know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do? Aaron (laughs) Rodgers is going to play football, my guy. He is going to play football, and it doesn't really matter the patch or the insignia that's on the side of his arm. He's going to continue to play at a level of excellence that is going to help other quarterbacks define themselves as they find themselves not only in one of the best sports leagues in the world, but also in the lower, smaller, more youth-oriented leagues and setting standards of how quarterbacks are supposed to play the position. That's what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. Is he going to do it in Green Bay? Look, he's going to go to a team that's going to get him into the playoffs. Can Green Bay do that right now? Yes. Yes, they could. They could with him. They could give him a 12-4, maybe even a 13-3 or, excuse me, 13-4, now that we have the new schedule. 13 4 season that's a playoff record so Mm. you know you got to bring a really good team to the table for someone like Aaron Rodgers to jump ship
0: yeah well Christian I appreciate the phone call I would also throw this back at you doesn't Aaron Rodgers going to a team that's already playoff ready elevate that team (laughs) right I mean that's the same thing that I think Matthew Stafford coming over to the Rams he elevates that team that's already a playoff contender but people are saying that he elevates them to a Super Bowl type of team So Aaron Rodgers, wherever he plays at, we will find out. And look, the NFL will be ready. But right now, it's still one of those loose ends around the NFL. But you know what? It's time for that two-minute drill.
3: It's time for the two-minute drill on L.A. Gridiron Weekly.
0: Two-minute drill here on L.A. Gridiron Weekly. A couple of uh, stories that we didn't get a chance to get to that I wanted to make sure everybody heard about. One thing that no one saw, but if you have a Snapchat account, I believe, or an Instagram, Tutu Atwill, wide receiver of the Rams, he tweeted or Instagrammed a picture of an all-white Rams jersey. You heard me, an all-white Rams jersey. Now, I don't know when the Rams are going to show or unveil this, but could the Rams have a new jersey look this year for some of their alternate games? That's, it looks really nice. It brought a nice throwback feel to it. It's one of those throwbacks, and uh, it looks, looks pretty cool, man. So I will keep my eyes out for that. I saw that the Rams also released their training camp schedule. They'll have 10 practices open to the public. That's right, 10 practices opening, opening to the public. You can go in. And, yes, you will find a lot of stuff going on in terms of the Rams and what they're going to be giving things away. So I look forward to that as well. And then also, last little story, Deshaun Watson is out practicing. Well, not practicing, but he's throwing with some other quarterbacks. He's preparing to play this NFL season. So we will find where that will go. Man, what a great show as always. Great show as always. My thanks to Dan Shanka of our lads, Miles Simmons of Pro Football Talk as well, for our engineer, Steve Pallett, for our producer, Jesse Lopez, and for myself, Kirk Morrison. This has been LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN.